Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Lori Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Thank you all so much for being here. And today we're going to be talking about the idea of nurture and what that means. So the front of the card is so warming and nurturing. The goddess is sort of hugging herself giving herself a big hug, and the world around her kind of is looking like it's giving a big hug with a rainbow and some clouds and the sun, the blue sky, and the nice, beautiful earth that she's standing on. And the deer, her power animal, has got her head on her hip, which is very sweet, very nurturing for everyone to even just look at this card. And in the back it says, nurture means to provide true nourishment for our body, minds, and souls. When we become more present and aware of our needs, it is easier to define what feels good to our bodies and selves and what is nourishing to us. When we stop hating ourselves and start practicing loving kindness, it is easier to take care of ourselves in nurturing ways. And for me, when I was struggling with my own eating disorder or any other recovery that I was really involved in and trying to get through, I really saw how little I would nurture myself. I wasn't taught how to do that, and I certainly wasn't given permission to do that. Really, my job was to nurture others. So also, it wasn't a self-nurturing. It was nurturing out of me to others always. And so I would just be, my little self would just be left there laying on the sidewalk, completely depleted. And I had to learn like the ABCs. I had to learn how to take care of myself, how to nurture myself. And that I felt was generations of women saying that would be selfish to do that. So I had to go against that and what I call the Sister Mary Margaret voice (laughs) that I had when I was a child. So I can't think of a more nurturing person than my next guest, Lynn. And I'm going to have her talk about what this card means to her. But also, I am so proud of her for how she has nurtured herself this last year or so, year and a half maybe. Hello, Lynn. Hey, good day to you. Good day to you. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you being on. So what up with nurturing, you think? Well, it's interesting. I have the card in front of me and I'm looking at it. And what I noticed when I'm looking at the card is something that you did not mention on the card. And that is, there seems to be little mountains or little rocks all over the card. The beauty is there, the sunshine, the rainbow. 
the warm embrace, the bright color, the nurturing animal, pushing the woman along to nurture herself. But the first thing that I saw, or not maybe the first thing, but one of the things that I saw were these five or so bumps, as I would call them, along the road. Boulders in your way. Absolutely. And how much we do have to nurture ourselves through those bumps. Absolutely. 100%. Not something that I've always been good at, but getting better. And unfortunately for me, it was forced on me to learn how to nurture myself. I suffered a pretty severe assault from someone that I know and knocked unconscious and Oh my gosh. Made it really impossible for me to even walk in the door of my home anymore after 25 years living there. Oh. But the blessing truly that came out of it was that I was such a mess that I had to stop. I was absolutely forced to stop. Yes. And that was just what I needed. On one hand, like I wish that the assault didn't happen, that I could have learned that another way. But the flip side of that is that. All of these life experiences that we bring, if we find a way to use them for good, then we can turn bitter into better for other people that come across our paths in similar situations. Like the difference between empathy and sympathy and hearing someone's story who may have been assaulted, but not having gone through that, I would have a different approach to it, I'm sure. Well, I agree with you, and I think it's not like we need to get assaulted to learn that lesson, but I also agree with you that sometimes hitting my head on a brick wall, you know, is the emphasis to stop hitting my head on a brick wall. Right, exactly. And I don't know, hopefully as I get older and recover more and more and more from the world we live in, that I stop before I have to go that far down, before taking the elevator all the way to the basement, why don't I just get off at ladies' lingerie <laughs> or something? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so I just want to say how I know you, which is I have a peer education group of people that I teach every year how to go into schools and talk about the issues of body hatred and eating disorders. And your classroom, your health class was one of the most favorite of all of us, all of those years, that whether you know this or not, that you're a teacher who sets them all up for us. So they know what we're going to come in and they know that we're going to talk about, and they know they already write in their journals about other stuff. So when you would say, write in your journal, they all had that. They all knew what that was. And you know, we would say something like, you really have to learn how to love and respect yourself 100%. You would say, yes, you have to learn that. We're learning that in this school. <laughs> and the other thing that I wanted to say that was so beautiful about you, there was a lot, but one of them, you would say, you students have been with me for a few months, and so you all like me. Am I right? And they would say, yes, we love you. And you'd say, but if you had to, what would you change about me? Like, this is what I look like. And what, you know, should I be thinner, taller, bigger, or should I have more makeup on or my hair? And these ninth graders, boys too, (laughs) would say, you look beautiful to us. And it was just the way you are. I wouldn't change a thing. And you would say, yes, and that's how I see you as well. 
And just having that realization at that young of an age that indeed they do love you just as you are and they do need to hear that so that they start to love themselves just as they are was so beautiful every year. And to love others just the way they are. That's right. It's definitely, there's that step as well, that there's not a certain person or group or way that I have to be. Just be me. Right. I would always tell them on the first day of school, you know, many of them have heard that I was nice and they're like their siblings. Oh, I'm so glad you got her as a teacher. I just medically retired after 27 years. 27. (laughs) Can't believe it. Mm -hmm. But on the first day of class, I would always say to my students, I want you to know that I will be one of the most beautiful teachers you will have in your whole life. (laughs) And they're looking at me sideways and up and down and back and forth and trying to understand like what I meant. And of course, what I said was super intentional, as you know. Yes, of course. It's this idea of how do we define beauty and how do we redefine beauty? So I would say that at the beginning, and then you would come in and share about the body image. And then at the end of the semester, on the last day, I would say, I asked you a question on the first day of class, and I want to ask it to you again. Do you think I'm beautiful? And the crowd goes wild, right? <laughs> they just love me because I'm so authentic. Yes. And just so honest with them. And I would say to them, I hope that one of the many things that you learn this semester is how to redefine what beauty is and where that comes from. And how it's demonstrated, you know, schools has this requirement for this class for ninth graders, which I think is amazing. And I love it. It's called human interaction. Oh, beautiful. I remember when I just, yeah, when I just came back from the Peace Corps and I was looking for work back then, it was a newspaper. I opened the newspaper and was looking through the classifieds and it said, I was looking for a human interaction teacher. And I just started crying because I thought if there's anyone in the world that should teach this class. It should be me. (laughs) Yes. And that comes from a lifetime that comes from being molested as a six-year-old. That comes from my mom dying when I was in high school. That comes from my near-death experience with bilateral pulmonary embolisms and so much pain that I've had. Gave birth to a child that's chronically ill, needs tons of support. And I just thought, what better person for them to hear from than somebody who, who's not just fluffy and warm, but also has gone through a lot of hard things, like the bumps and the boulders on the car, you know? Yep. And that you were willing to share it. That's the other thing, because a lot of people go through a lot of stuff, and they're just, nope, not me. I'm good. Always been good. Ever, always will be good. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And so to have somebody tell the truth about stuff, I feel like is the way that we recover from all of this is that we just start talking about it. Me too. I know one of the blessings was that because I would so easily talk about my own molestation, which happened over a period of three years from a family friend, of course, and the whole scenario of if you tell your parents, we'll kill them, we'll we'll kill your dog, the whole we'll kill your family if you tell anybody thing. I learned that unless I figured out how to embrace it, like you said, for me, that's sharing it in a positive way. What I did is I took my power back. He had this power over me because it was like a secret. Nobody knew. And because I was able to flip that, it was life-changing. And so literally hundreds of kids over the last 27 years, sadly, 
and wonderfully came to me when after I shared my story. May I tell you something? There's something I'd like to share. I've never told anyone this. And through that, thank goodness they got the help that they need. Right. You know, so I would joke with them that sometimes I went to therapy every six months and sometimes I went twice a week. <laughs> yes. Just depended on what, what I needed to nurture myself. And again, not every teacher does that. And, you know, I have a little tiny postage stamp of the world in the Bay Area, but I go to a lot of schools during the school year. And, you know, are you sure you want to disclose that? But I'll say, yes, it's very important that they talk about their recovery and I talk about mine if necessary. I mean, of course, that's what's happening to them. If it's not happening to them personally, they know their best friend, their mom, their sister, you know, their brother. Yeah, this is a big problem. <laughs> Absolutely. And I would have parents that were like concerned about the class because we also talked about like healthy sexual practices, healthy yes. relationships, good communication, all these things. And some parents, you know, they had this little bubble of what they believed to be was their little ideal family. And I would say to them that I understand that that's how you see your family. But what about if your son has a best friend that does this or your daughter has a friend that does that, then what happens? That they need those tools in their tool belt to be able to nurture others and help others. One of my favorite stories was after my mom passed away when I was 17, about a year later, I attempted suicide. Oh, God. And Glad you did not it make it. a horrible, horrible time. I know, it was just horrible. But a friend of mine, Carla, she asked me if she could take me to lunch and we pulled into the parking lot of Marin Suicide Prevention. And I just remember I started hitting her. I was so oh, mad. Right. She was taking me to Marin Suicide Prevention instead of taking me to lunch. But she literally saved my life. She was the only friend of mine that had the courage yeah. to not only see that I was in trouble, but to act upon it. And we went in. She walked me in. I stayed. During that time at Marin Suicide Prevention, I learned all about the grief cycle. and. That is what saved me because I didn't understand that there was like denial and all the different stages. And mine was anger. I remember getting so angry at my mom. And why did you leave me? And why did you have to go? And I need you. And it's not fair. And because of learning the stages of grief, I understood that anger was normal and it was real and it was necessary. So one time I got this phone call from a mom. She asked if she could come in and see me and meet me. And I said, of course. Teachers always get a little nervous when parents want to meet. So I said, <laughs> yes. may I ask what it's regarding? Are there any problems or issues with your son? And she said, absolutely not. I just, I want to come in and tell you a really great story. Okay. Said, Fantastic. So she came in and she told me that every day she does the pickup from school and that there's four boys in the car. And that she always wears her earbuds, her earpods, so that they think that she's not listening, but she doesn't have anything on. So she's hearing <laughs> everything in the conversation. And they were talking about going to the, one of the boys' house to pull out their notes from human interaction about death and dying and suicide. Wow. Because a friend of theirs had just lost their father. Oh. And they wanted to know what was the best way to help him. Oh, my gosh. And so... You know, I always laugh. There's this website called Rate Your Teacher, and they have Rate Your Professor for College and Rate Your Teacher for High School. And I would 
every, you know, like maybe once every couple of years I would peek in and the only negative comments were, she cries so much. And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because so it's okay sweet. to people. It's okay to hurt. Yeah. And when that mom came in, it was just such a, just kind of like a testimony to the importance of this class and letting kids hear this information. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but it is unusual. I mean, it's too bad that it's unusual, but it is unusual to have disclosure from the teacher or from the therapist or from the nutritionist or from the doctor, but it just gets us sort of more connected. And I don't understand how we... Hopefully moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's been that we're all John Wayne in our own little island and we ride off in the sunset by ourselves, you know, and it's, if that worked, it would have already worked. <laughs> we, we need each other. Yeah. Another favorite thing I would do in class is I would write the word in huge letters on the whiteboard, better. And then underneath that I would write bitter, huge letters. And I would ask the students to write about that. What do you see on the board? What does it mean to you? And what I was trying to get them to, and they often got to without me, was this idea through anything in life, we can become better or we can become bitter. But ironically, the only difference in the two words is the letter I. Yes. How I oh, take it in. Right. How I, I do with deal it. with it. Right. Yes. And that is, like, I can honestly say, I miss my mom every day. I generally don't like the holidays. My mom's birthday is, often falls on the day of Thanksgiving. I would have loved for her to have seen me as an adult. I would have loved for her to, you know, meet the kids and all those Absolutely. things. It didn't happen that way. So after I worked through that anger, I had the choice. Am I better or am I bitter? And better became sharing my story. Better became using what was awful for good being transparent. Like I couldn't change the fact that my mom was gone, but I could determine how I was going to intentionally use her passing as a way to be helpful to others. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. I joined Beyond Hunger about three years ago after my own eating disorder recovery. I've been with the Peer Ed program for over a year. I have been a peer educator for a few weeks now. Beyond Hunger is an amazing organization in which high schoolers like me get to go to schools across the Bay Area and educate teens and students on mental health, body image, intuitive eating. I joined because it really helps people. I joined the program because I believe that the information we provide people my age is very important. Beyond Hunger has allowed me to connect with the youth in my community and reaffirm to myself what I know is true. It has given me an opportunity to educate others and inform others around my age. Um, and I just think it's a really wonderful program. Because I want to teach other teens what I never learned. Appreciating your body through its ups and downs, navigating diet, diet culture, and learning about 
intuitive emotions and hunger. And I felt that it was super important to continue to make change in the community. My name is Laura Lee Rourke, and I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger. My business partner, Carol Normandy, and I founded it in 1988. But for the last 25 years, we've been going into schools and talking about the issue of eating disorders and body hatred. We um, train young women to go in with us, peer to peer, student to student, and it is a wonderful program. Please give generously this holiday season. Thank you. And it's by you sharing what that meant to you, even right now, what you're sharing right now, that holidays are hard for you and you miss your mom every day, that it gives other people permission to say, yeah, I don't like this day very much in the year and I just really do still miss her. And somebody will say, I shouldn't keep worrying about this person because they've been gone 10 years. It's like, who said that was enough? (laughs) You know? I know. I just posted on my Facebook page yesterday, 10 things to say to people who are hurting or grieving during the holidays. Or not to say. Because, (laughs) yeah, this was what to say, but Uh or also not to say, like I would tell my students, if somebody that you love is hurting or grieving, only ask them how they're doing. If you're sitting down over coffee or if you're on a hike together where it's intentional where you have the time and the space to actually hear their answer. Because it hurts so much when somebody asks it as they're like walking by a hallway, when you are just grieving so deeply inside. Well, that's where that fine came from in my family, that there was a, I remember really clearly my mother saying, you know, if people ask you how you are, it's more polite to say I'm fine than to start telling them a big long story. And we don't really take anything that happens to ourselves personally outside the home. And I remember looking at her and she said, and I don't even really want to talk about it either. (laughs) To me, that just seems like something that's just waiting to erupt, right? That's right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're all fine. I was really fortunate. Yeah. Both my parents were super connected, involved, really well-loved, both gifted socially in their ability to socially interact. And I remember my dad, clear as day, saying to me throughout my life, don't ever ask anybody how they're doing unless you have the time to hear their answer. I love that. That's what I would teach my students, right? Don't say that. Say, nice to see you. Or, oh my gosh, you look as beautiful as ever. Or, I love that color on you. In my opinion, such a horrible habit that we have to ask people how they're doing while we're walking by them. It is a horrible one because it does take us aback if they say, not very well. And then hopefully you do have the time to go, what is happening? Tell me, you know, and I got to be somewhere. But you know what? I can tell this person I'll be a little late. Let's sit down and have a cup of tea. There's so much stuff around that that really does need to be intentional. Like I love giving 20 second hugs. They say that if you hug somebody for 20 seconds, it becomes therapeutic. Mm. But I also teach my students (laughs) or have taught my students that when you're hugging somebody, you should close your eyes and you shouldn't talk. You should just feel them on your body. You should let them feel your heart. And 
if you do that, when you do that, it's magical. It's really amazing. It is. There's been those studies of when people are together that close, their hearts start to beat the same. And I had a friend for a long, long time that I'd go to hug her and she'd go heart to heart. She'd turn me a little way and she would turn a little bit. So our hearts met, you know. I do miss her so much. She died of cancer. But that is her legacy to me was to get that heart hug. The heart is such a powerful, powerful part of us. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. It really is a gift and one that we should not take for granted. No, not in a million years. I want to tell one more little story about you that I remember, again, never seeing in any other schools in the years and years and years we were going into schools. But we came to your class on your birthday one year, which I didn't know it was your birthday, but we came in and somebody came right after us before we started, came in, they had baked you a cake. And the cake <laughs> was a penis and balls <laughs> with pink frosting. <laughs> and it was the most wonderful thing I had ever seen. It was one of the students had done that, you know. I know. And we proceeded to eat that cake. <laughs> And it was delicious. And it was delicious. <laughs> but I just have always felt like how free and easy those students were to say penis and balls, to say vagina, to say sex, to say suicide, to say I have a problem with my eating or I hate my weight or whatever it was in that classroom. In this little moment of time, they were able to say what was true and didn't have right. to skirt around the edges of it. Well, I always laugh because the class that I had the privilege of teaching is called human interaction. But I'm people call me the sex teacher, and I always say, "What is <laughs> what, what is, is that, that exactly?" <laughs> <laughs> a sex teacher. Yeah, but you know, it's the same thing about like grounding. I would say if you can't say the word vagina, please don't have sex. I know. If you can't say the word penis. Don't have sex. Right. Like, what does that really mean? Yep. And you telling them another time something like, how do you get pregnant? And they'd go, penis in <laughs> vagina. <laughs> or me anywhere around there. Right. <laughs> I remember one time, it was so funny. We were working with, a, we had a, a health educator in, and they were pulling out their penis model, like the plastic penis model from the little case. And as you saw, I was so gifted and I'm so gifted that I can go from like serious to funny, serious to laughing. Yes. Because I think that's the best way to teach. If you're serious all the time, they're not going to learn. If you're laughing all the time, they're not going to learn. Right. So the, the health educator in the front of the classroom said, so now we're going to, I'm going to use my penis model. And from the back of the classroom, I shouted out, hey, let's use my penis. My penis <laughs> is so much prettier than yours. <laughs> And all the students, all the heads just turned around. Turned like, around. And they're looking, hey, does she have a penis? And they didn't notice. <laughs> and I pranced up to the cupboard in the front, you know, the classroom. And I pulled out mine. And it was a little bedazzled. And it was pink and shiny and sparkly. And the whole class agreed that my penis was better than theirs. Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, again, for somebody coming from the outside into your classroom, it was so refreshing every year. 
so refreshing because, you know, you would interact with the students even while we were there, and they would be completely okay with us talking about body hatred because they know they've already heard it. They already think that it's good to talk about stuff or what the eating disorders are and what they'll do to people. They've already sort of experienced that or the emotional wisdom. They've already experienced of, yeah, it's not about what you think it's about. It's about your feelings underneath everything. And the honesty behind all of it. That's right. And so because I've great commanded them or expected of them to be honest with all the other topics. This would be just another one that we're going to be honest about. And my favorite part, or one of my favorite parts, there's so many, but I loved, you know, at the end, we do our question comment cards where they're either oh. asked and they have to do either a question or a comment. I would weep reading their comments. For sure. I learned today, you are an example. This group is so important. Hearing the peer educators talk about what they've gone through. They just, they need to be exposed to those kind of things. Right. And the peer educators are just a little bit older than them, you know, one or two or three years, not 60 years, (laughs) you know, know, or whatever. So that's why we did it. That's why we brought them in, realized that we were losing people if we just blah, blah, blah. It was just another adult telling them not to do something they didn't know how to not do. There's so much better that we use the peer educators And the peer educators, when I would get them, start the training of them, they would have to learn that it was okay to say some of the things that they were going to say. And before then, they never talked about it. And so our meetings would be very lively. Yeah, that totally makes me think of something else that I would always say. And that is, you own your life or it will own you. And that I don't want to be owned. I want to own it. And it's, again, all within that topic of education and acceptance and nurturing and loving and all those things. I want to own my own life. Right. And like the concept of this is your body. This is the only one you're going to get. Why be so mean to it? Right. Yeah. Be okay with it. Yeah. You all do such a great job sharing that with kids. It's so important. Reading the comments again, as I said. So many people just acknowledging the value, saying that they've been thinking about it a lot, saying that they need help. Yes, I know. The ones that would say, I need to talk to somebody about this, you know, would be the greatest just to give it to you. The ones that would stay after class and just be hanging out and hovering. And I would say to you, (laughs) I think you should walk over there and talk to them and walk the way you did. And I have to say something about those comments. And a lot of classes, they don't want us to do that because they don't want the kids to have pencils or a journal on their desk because they'll just not listen. And I'm, you know, whatever. It's not my class. I can't really say. But I do give out the sticky notes and I want them to put something on there. And a lot of times when the peer educators are going through their own stuff, as we do, I'll send them one of those. Remember when you said this and then this is the comment that we got back and they're like, oh, okay, I can live another day, I guess. (laughs) You know, it's just such a good thing. Another thing that I think is so important 
and has definitely been true in my life is, am I allowed to say a swear word? He'll bleep it out. Okay. So I'll say the word poop, but you all know what I mean. Okay. That if life gives you a pile of poop, (laughs) it's either going to be poop and it's just going to stay there and really not do anything. But poop is also something that can be transformed into something else. If you add other things to it, it becomes manure that becomes useful and helpful. And so I would tell the students, how do you do that? You add things like support to that poop. You add things like therapy to that poop. You add things like exercising to that poop. You add things like eating healthy to that poop. And before you know it, it's not a pile of poop anymore. Right. It's something that's useful, useful to you or to others or in the world or possibly in your profession as you move forward. And so we really do have to be intentional and it's not always easy. Sometimes intention is the most exhausting thing. But my thought is if intention is super exhausting, how exhausting would it be to not be intentional? That's right. Well, it is. It's hard to keep that mask up. You know, it really is. So I could just talk to you forever and ever and ever, but I wonder if you'll read the Today I Will on the bottom of the card. Yes. Today I will list 10 ways of nurturing my body, mind, and soul in a way that truly nourishes me. I will try at least one of these ways a day and then notice how I feel. I love that the number is big. It's 10, but it's just (laughs) one day at a time. It is. You know, sometimes life can be so hard, it's difficult to even get out of bed. Or to get a half a number. (laughs) Yeah, make it to the make it to the edge of the driveway and just notice the trees or the birds or just anything. Because even with those boulders in life, it's still good to be alive. It still is, isn't it? It's still really wonderful to be alive. And I am really grateful that I share the earth with you that you're here oh somewhere God, on this you know, earth. And, uh, back at you. Yeah, and I know that we're here doing our little thing. So is there any last thing that you'd like to say? or No, I just think there's always going to be rough roads ahead. But I also believe that what you look for, you're going to find. Yeah. So if we're constantly believing or seeing that the negative just around the corner, then we miss the blessing of this moment of this day. And I'm not going to say it's always been easy, but I don't want to be bitter. That's the bottom line. I want to be better every day. And the only way to do that is to work through the things that need to be worked through, to accept the help and support that I need, to realize that I don't have to carry the whole world on my shoulders. And that's what you've been doing this last year or so, right? And. I miss you. The peer educators miss you. But your training of the teacher right after you was so good. I know. Well, she was my student. (laughs) Yes. Did you know she was my student? Yes. I always wondered how I would stop teaching. I never thought that how I would be able to find the way to do that. And then it happened. And we interviewed a number of people. And and in the interview, Becca Byrne, who is now teaching in my spot, she said, I know this is going to sound like brown nosing, but the reason I want to teach this class is because I had the privilege of having Lynn as my teacher. And I know what this class is all about. And I know what's expected. And I know it's hard, but I also know it can make a difference. And she does. And you she know, is. Yeah. She's the best. She's a mini me. <laughs> 
But <laughs> with her own thing, like you have your own oh my thing. Gosh. Yeah. It's just she, so beautiful. She's a gift. Her students love her. And that's the first thing that you want. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And keep warm up there in the snow. Is there snow? No. No. <laughs> well, there will be sooner or later. But have a great holiday and the rest of the year. And we'll talk again whenever. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for doing these podcasts. They're important. You never know who's listening or who's going to hear what they need to hear right when they need to hear it. So thank you for also being transparent and authentic with your own life. Yeah. Well, I learned from a good teacher. (laughs) Thank you. And we're both good looking. See? Yeah. See, we're so beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for your time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.